second thing is a pastoral concern. In this morning's reading, you will hear the articulation of um, Jesus inviting people to practice self-harm. I want to be very clear to you all this morning, to anyone who has experienced or practiced self-harm or knows and loves someone who does, this is not what Jesus is advocating for in the text. And for anyone that feels compelled or drawn to that practice, we are holding you in the Spirit's care, especially this morning as this text is read. And please reach out to the pastoral staff here and to professionals well-versed in addressing these types of concerns in this community. And now, as we prepare our hearts to read from the gospel, would you pray with me? And would you pray with me by singing an ooh or humming on this note right here? Or you can sing this one, so sing here or sing here. Christians, we have met to worship and to praise the Lord our God. Will you pray with all your power? Will you help us preach the word? All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. Christians pray and holy manna will be scattered all around. Amen. The reading this morning comes from the gospel according to Mark, beginning in the ninth chapter at the 38th verse. Listen now to God's word to us today. John said to Jesus, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to soon afterward speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones, Jesus is speaking of the children gathered there among them, who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The word of the Lord. How many of you like standing in line? I did not see a single hand. 
Lines are so much a part of our lives. When I was in elementary school, we would always line up for lunch or for recess in alphabetical order by last name. And so Weeby always put me about three or four people from the back. It was never any fun. Always the last to go. Almost every single time in the back of the line. Except on those rare days where the teacher, intervening in this power play, would say, we're going to line up in alphabetical order by first name. And all of a sudden, Bryce gets to go toward the front of the line. Bryce gets to stand within the first two or three at the beginning. The first to go to lunch. The first to get to recess. I don't know what William Wilkinson ever did. (laughs) His story's different from mine. You've heard last week, you've heard in the gospel readings, Jesus say to his disciples, in God's economy, in God's grace, in God's family, the last will be first and the first will be last. And so we immediately think of lining up and switching it all around. But I don't think that's actually what Jesus was telling us. I don't think that's the image that we were supposed to come away with in geometry with Jesus, as I sometimes call it, that line, that straight line where the last become first and the first become last might actually better be envisioned as a circle where the last person is the first person is the last person is the first person in a circle where there is no beginning And there is no end. A circle where once there was a straight line. Power and privilege. Being first no longer matters. Being the best, as the disciples were arguing about last week, is not what God is calling us to do and be about. And the disciples, even if they got it, which it looks like they didn't because in the readings that follow, they're still struggling to understand what God has taught them. But even if they believed in the circle, the text for this week introduces another problem. John immediately says, so even if he's getting that that we're in a circle in one family, there's this other guy, and he's casting out demons in your name, but we, we tried to stop him. Because he's not one of us. So if God's family is a circle and not a straight line, it's still our circle. The circle of people with our same experience, the circle of people who look like us and sound like us and live like us, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And Jesus says, no. Don't Stop him. If he is not against us, he is for us. He is part of the circle. Why does it matter? 
Najuma is a 56-year-old grandmother in Uganda. She's a grandmother of eight children that have been orphaned by the AIDS epidemic in her part of the world. And she was struggling, struggling to feed her grandchildren. In our straight-line thinking, in the way we would love to go about doing things, the church might respond by organizing itself to answer her need with our solution. We might offer her food for her and her grandchildren. And we would turn around and march our straight line back, pretty sure we had done something great. But, but because of people like you and the whole of the Presbyterian Church gathering together, coming together to invite Najuma into God's family circle, or perhaps it was she who invited us into God's family circle. We got to hear from her and see in her that her need did not come from a lack of food, but from the fact that when her husband died, she as a woman had no deed to their land, and it was taken from her. And so because of God's circle, because of hearing and seeing, our allies in Christ, the church was able to support her through land rights training and training for better farming techniques to secure for her the deed to her land. I just saw a picture of her two weeks ago, smiling and holding the deed to the land she now farms. Because we came together in the circle to see and hear what the needs are, rather than deciding, marching in, and offering our own solution to our perception of the problem. The circle. The circle matters. Seeing and hearing one another matters. And so we do mission and ministry work this way, and my hope for you here in Canyon Creek is that when you support Brian's house, you're inviting them into God's family circle, or perhaps it's them who are inviting you into God's family circle to hear and learn what the Spirit is doing among people who don't live here, who don't have your experiences, who don't look and sound like you, who are your uncommon allies in the life of faith. And it is in this context that Jesus then describes those very violent forms and ways and things we must do in response. Jesus is not pivoting to a sense of individual sin not changing the subject to talk about your own personal struggles, but rather he is rebuking the disciples for their desire to exclude. So serious is Jesus about this circle of faith, God's family, 
that he describes in no uncertain terms what the implications of exclusion are. Without the circle, we can't see. Without the circle, we cannot hear anyone but the person in front of us and behind us. I don't know about you, but this week, I think it's been pretty clear we struggle to listen to one another. We struggle to gather into circles with people who aren't like us, who don't have our experience, to hear from one another what God might be doing through, with, and among us. And so, to that I would say, if your, if your partisan politics are preventing you from hearing one another and hearing the suffering of God's children, cut them off. If your obsession with your own power and privilege are preventing you from hearing the cries of the most needy in the world, pluck it out. If your desire to keep for yourselves an insular community to, to, in which no one who doesn't share your experience is welcome, put it to death. The family of God, the circle of God is what is at stake. It is not an abstraction. It is not a mystical, far-off reality that we claim. As we engage in God's family circle, as we invite and are invited into communities that might teach us who and how God is, as we listen to one another, we're finding the gospel. We're offering ourselves. We are building a community with God in the shape of Jesus Christ. And so this day, this day and every day, let us draw the circle. Draw the circle wide. Draw it wider still. Let this be our song. No one stands alone. Standing side by side, drawing the circle wide. Amen.